thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. All right. Hey, everybody. Can you hear me, people? Hopefully you can. Okay, how about now? Can you hear me? Okay, so today is the last Friday in 2019 that we're going to do this show. Yeah, we are. And you know what? I was going to go ahead and play a song. And then all of a sudden, literally, my computer just went like... It killed the sound. It's like... <laughs> it's like all of a sudden, like the sound doesn't work on it. I can't believe it, man. <laughs> it's been working all day, people. Yeah, it has. So, you're just going to have to... Well, hopefully it doesn't start during the show. That would be funny. Anyway, <clears throat> so, as you know, we are the best produced show here on Periscope. Yeah, we are. And, and you're not so humble with Well, that's what people keep telling me. If if there was an award for Periscope, we would win Best Christian Show on Periscope. Best Biblical Christian Show on Periscope. Best, Best Biblical Christian Show on Periscope on a <laughs> Friday night. <laughs> that's right, people. Best Christian in the category keeps getting smaller and smaller. It's like an Amazon. Number one, you know. Yeah, they, when you when you publish a book, they let you know you're in the top five of whatever Christian devotionals published on a Tuesday, but you know, whatever. And yeah, there's like this <laughs> micro category that they make you feel good. That yeah. <laughs> I, I swear, I didn't plan it this way. I seriously did not plan the opening of the show this way. I had a whole song planned. I was going to sing you in, people, like I always do. But, you know, as, They'll sing us in. as the technology gods would have it. <laughs> Anybody know why all of a sudden my sound just died on my computer? Yeah, huh? <laughs> It's been a heck of a year. Yeah, it has. <laughs> yeah, it has. I bet you my computer's going to crash now completely. Yeah, it will. Oh, wait. Nope. It gave me the... It, it's giving me the circle with the line in it. Like, completely nixing. I'm scared, people. I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm scared that it's going to crash on me. Well, during the show, all of a sudden this thing crashes, then we know why. Yeah, we do. Don't. <laughs> I have no idea. This, this actually happened to me one time before. Not right before a show, of course. But whatever. All right. Well, that's okay. God wanted me to do a, a shorter intro today. Because after all, this is Free For All Friday, people. And if you're new to this show, then thank you for tuning in to this fluffy head. That would be me. I'm your sweet and lovable host of Bible News Radio. Yeah, also known as Fluffy Head. <laughs> yeah, I am. That's a, it's a nickname I gave myself. <laughs> Those are the best kind. Because then you have control over them. At least it's not Fluffy Head, Knucklehead. Um, as I did a little skit over on TikTok. Yeah, I did. About social anxiety. If you're not following me on TikTok, you should go over then to TikTok. Then you're not following Stacy on TikTok. You should go to TikTok and follow Stacy Lynn L-O-J. Yeah. Stacy Lynn L-O-J, lover of Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of cool. I just made that up. Means ladies of justice. Yeah, my my gavel is downstairs in my purse, hidden clandestinely. Um, I am teaching people everywhere to carry a gavel. Yeah, I am. It's a mini croquet mallet too, in case you can you know you get bored, you can play croquet wherever you're at. In all seriousness, I did do a skit over there on social anxiety. 
because I used to suffer from it. I still do a little bit. I'm going to be honest, man. I'm still a big chicken inside. Actually, I'm a little chicken than I used to be. I used to be a bigger chicken than I currently am. Uh, but my height defies me. And so I'm still a littler chicken than I was. Mm -hmm. <laughs> In other words, I'm a chicken nugget. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was funny. It wasn't. That was funny. Come on, people. It's Friday. We just got done celebrating a long week of celebrations of Jesus's birth. Yeah. Yeah, we did. And I have to tell you that um, selling, celebrating Jesus's birth this year for me was super great because I really had to learn what the reason for the season is. And I'm going to share something with you. Actually, this is part of the reason I'm, and this is a serious moment, people. So, okay. So here's the thing. So, um, so this year has been very um, trying, let's just say, for Bareface and me uh, on so many levels. You know, we had, I like had four people die in, in, in April, um, you know, that I loved. And, you know, I take care of my dad with dementia and Parkinson's, and that's that's a whole other burden that caregivers have. And, and that's in addition to February. What? Well, you said about people dying in April. Yeah. Okay. Did they all die in February? I'm I'm aware of several that died in February. Okay, February, whatever. See, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting not, all timers. I'm not trying to. I just. Yeah, Your dad I, died in February? Yes. Okay, so February. Well, anyway, see, I just, it's been so long that I forgot. I just thought maybe there was you know, others losing... that I wasn't aware of. and then. Well, I was anyway. thinking April. Well, maybe it was because of the taxes, you know, tax. Okay. Anyway, the point is, is that it's been, <laughs> it's been a difficult year. And then Randall and I, we made the very, very, very huge, majorly difficult decision. And it really was. It was heartbreaking. To break to 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 stop doing the show every day, and at literally every day we were doing this show every day, even including the weekends. Um, I was Sunday doing through the, Saturday. I was doing this show Monday through Friday, though interviewing guests and uh, doing news like we do, um, and that was a huge change. That was a huge huge change for me to make because you gotta understand this is my baby i mean i've been doing this for 15 years next year will be 16 years i've been sharing the gospel and doing great stuff behind a microphone entertaining the masses making people feel good about themselves their life you know having them love the lord more and irritating people who don't like god very much but whatever who cares and anyway so all that to say that this year has been a very, it's been a huge transitional living year. Um, <laughs> in fact, that's funny because my dad lives in transitional living. So it's like, whatever. Anyway, assisted living, whatever. For me, it's been a big transition. And stepping out of your comfort zone is a huge issue. So dealing with social anxiety, getting back to that issue. You know, I decided to do a uh, little skit on TikTok. So if you go and you follow me on TikTok, T-I-K-T-O-K, Stacy Lynn L-O-J um, is the name there. Um, you're going to see a very funny, in my opinion, TikTok of me playing various parts, wearing glasses, not wearing glasses, doing the different parts. Um, and anyway, so as as the year has gone on, you know, we had to cut back the show. I increased my... Um, time doing legal shield work with ladies of justice really jumped into the role of um, being a salesperson uh, but not really sales as much as trying to help people understand that they need a will because you're going to die and you, you need a will because you know you're going to die and you want to leave a love letter to your family hopefully um, and then of course identity theft protection I've always been in the protecting and the serious business people from therapists to book promoter, to interviewer, to activist, to legal shield and identity theft protection, you know, and what God has for me next. Who knows? Maybe leading some Bible studies. Yeah, that's actually in the works too. And this is a good thing, right? Transition change is good. Change is good. 
So I want to share a couple of things with you. <clears throat> Number one, Ariel Ministries has told us today that they have uh, committed to, to sponsoring our program for another three months. So for us, that's a huge deal. This is a huge deal because this is the majority of our income that comes in from this show that actually helps us pay the bills and stuff. So I'm just going to ask you bluntly, if you're a member of our audience and you listen to our show a lot, please step up and become a, a donor to the show now because we need the money. We, we need the money. We need the income to come in. And I don't care how much it is, five bucks, 10 bucks, a hundred bucks, 20 bucks a month, whatever it is that you can put towards helping us out with our show. That would be greatly appreciated. Or if you know somebody who is going to be like Ariel, and the reason Ariel is cutting us back is because they're not getting the money that they need. You know, so a lot of people are getting hit everywhere, and I get that. I don't have a problem with it at all. Um, but if so, if you know somebody who would like to sponsor us, then let me know. You can just contact us through our normal things. But in the meantime, Ariel is still sponsoring us. So please go to ariel.org. Uh, and you can use that coupon code Bible News and save 20% or 30% if it's still going on. Um, you know, through, through the end of the year, for sure. And here's the thing. I want to thank you all, those of you who have been using it and buying stuff. I want to let you know that um, this here is a blessing to me because, you know, because they said the numbers were really good for people using the code. So... Thank you for doing that because what that shows them is that people have gotten value from, uh, you know, that you guys understand the value of what we're offering uh, here on Periscope and all the other platforms that we're on. Uh, Ariel has been a massive blessing to me personally for 20, almost 30 years actually. Uh, I've known the family. So it's been really cool that they have been our sponsor for as long as they have. Uh, but now there is some transition, and I'm just putting it out there, guys. I heard some stories, a couple stories this week about people who are doing ministry who are not getting the money that they need, and it's kicking people who are doing biblical ministry out of it. They're, they're leaving, they're, and people are giving up. They can't do it. And this issue is very, very discussed in the body of Christ, you know. And here's the thing. People can give, but they usually give where they like felt needs to be met. That's why all the false teachers are making lots of money, right? I'm not about the money. Trust me. Anybody that knows me knows that. But there comes a time when God's people have to step up and, you know, and help out. So if you go ahead and, and I want to tell you something, there's one of my donors, you know who you are. I'm not going to say who you are. They dedicate $5 a month to this show, five bucks. I actually get $4 and change because PayPal takes a cut of it. And that person has apologized to me for being like, oh, I can't believe I, I can only give you five bucks. <laughs> and, and, I, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Five bucks is $5 more than somebody else who isn't giving you anything is giving. You know? Infinitely more. Infinitely more. And so $4 and change after PayPal, hey, that pays for a meal for me right? Um, or whatever it is that I might need. Um, so don't underestimate the value of what you can give. If you think it's too small or too little, um, you know, don't look at it that way. I mean, look at the parable of the widow's might, you know, all these rich people that came in, they gave money and they're like, Hey, look at me, look at me. And it's one of my big pet peeves actually is when big rich people give these big checks and they oh, look at that. They gave $10 million to, Joe Schmo minister or whatever and there is oh it's so great and then the little widow comes in and puts in a little penny and they're like oh look at her but you know the word says God looked at her heart and she gave more than anybody and that's really what it's about people it's about your heart it's about where your heart is you know in giving to people and you know and here's the thing this year, God has taught me to, to receive. And I'm going to be honest, it's been tough, man. I, it has been so tough. You know, at Thanksgiving, I was sharing with you guys, uh, I shared earlier that, that two of my girlfriends from my networking groups invited Randall and I over for Thanksgiving. And one of them 
well, they both gave us food, but one, the first place gave us a ton of food. I mean, enough to feed us for almost a week afterwards. And, uh, and I was sitting there one night thinking about it as I looked in our checking account, it had 20 bucks in it. And we're, I was thanking God it wasn't overdrawn again. And I was looking at that because I was like, oh man, you know, this is, this is so cool. I got so overwhelmed that I could not contain the fact that I was just so grateful that it was given to me with such love and they didn't know what they were doing. And that's the amazing thing. You don't know. And I don't know, you know, we're all at all different levels of broke, right? That's what God, that's what I believe. And it's true. I know I have friends who are millionaires who are the cheapest scapes that I've ever met. <laughs> you look at them and you're like, seriously, but their expenses are probably 15 times mine. They couldn't live under $3,000 a month. Let me put it that way. Um, but here's the thing. I had the opportunity and I want to challenge you. Um, I do. I want to challenge you because this is hard. I want to challenge you. If somebody's done something good for you, I don't care what it is. Go and be vulnerable. Dare greatly. Like Brene Brown says, as she quotes Roosevelt. Or, yeah. Go and dare greatly and, and show your heart like peel back the layer and show exactly what God did for you with that person. Let them know how they have impacted you. Cause you know what? People don't know. You really, really don't know. And I often think, man, I've done this 15 years. I'm thinking, man, if I get to heaven, when I, when I get to heaven, <laughs> hopefully I'll get there. Um, when I get to heaven, I, there might be people there, you know, who are there because of our show. And at the time I was thinking, man, this is, why am I doing this? This is horrible, blah, blah. Because people don't tell you. They really don't tell you, you know. And we've heard it all. We've heard, oh, just smile at people. Smile makes them wonder. You know, that smile could change a person's life. Uh, my goofy personality apparently blesses many of you because you tell me, you just make me laugh. When you laugh at yourself, I laugh. And then when you pick on Bareface, I laugh even harder. So Bareface... Just so you know, I have to keep picking on you. Yep, it's been it's been required by the audience that I I pick and tease you. Oh, this is just re, is just part and parcel with the marriage. I mean, mm. have to rub each other a little bit. Yeah, whether do. or not anyone's watching. Yeah. Anyway, so so that's one thing. So God is good, and so I want to read you something. Okay. And I want you to think about this. Okay, this is in Matthew chapter 26. Okay. Oops, that dumb pop-up blocker thingy just got in my way. Stop that. Okay, over here. Okay, so Matthew 26. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. I love this passage because I can relate to it so well. So this is what it says, beginning of verse 6. It says, Now when Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper. Okay, let's stop just for a second. Simon the leper. This wasn't Simon Peter. This was the leper, right? Back then, lepers lived in leper colonies because nobody wanted to be around them. And they, you know, they thought that, you know, they were evil, horrible people and stuff. And that's very generalized. But, you know, he was an outcast. Lepers are the outcast, right? Um, and Jesus healed a leper, by the way. And I have to tell you that um, that was a messianic miracle, um, which was super cool. But anyway, so it says here, so they're at the house of a leper, and it's Simon the leper. Um, and usually, just so you know, also, this is an interesting point to make. Usually when you see people with a descriptive uh, um, thing after their name, like Mary of Magdala, you know, Simon Barjona, it usually has to do with either where they were from, you know, like Mary of Magdala or Simon Barjona or who they were, right? It's like Simon, son of Jonah. Okay. So, but Simon the leper, he was being described by his illness, his, his disease, right? So that's just something to think about. So anyway, so a woman came to him with an alabaster vial of very costly perfume. And, and most people think that this was Mary. Okay. Just so you know, cause this is a Mary. Mary of Magdala, I believe. Or no, Mary, the, the sister of Lazarus. That's, that's what I read. But anyway, there's some debate. But we won't get into that right now. Just so you know, it's there. But anyway, so him, uh, a woman came to him with an alabaster vial, a very costly perfume. 
and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. Now, here's cool. The tables back then were very low. And this is this is a cool thing. Now, if you've ever been in my car, it's very low. <laughs> it's like this high off the ground. I mean, it's very low. And the tables back then were very low. And the people, they didn't have chairs. They literally sat on the ground. So it says they were reclining at the table. And, um, and it says here, uh, but the disciples were indignant when they saw this. And they said, why this waste? By the way, the disciples, the, the one that's, um, in another parallel passage that spoke up, it was actually Judas, who I lovingly refer to as the father of the social justice movement. And you'll understand why in just a second. So he said, why the waste? For this perfume might have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. Yeah, because Judas cared about the poor so much. <laughs> but Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why do you bother this woman? For she has done a good deed to me. Now, let me ask you something. Have you ever done a good deed for Christ and had somebody pick on you for it? Like, for example, have you ever said, you know, instead of, instead of going and buying the latest gizmo or gasmo, whatever it is, I'm going to go ahead and donate money to the church. And you have some naysayer in your family. Why are you always going to the church? And, you know, hey, we need that money for whatever. And, you know, stop giving it to the church. All the church cares about is money. You, I mean, you've heard this, right? Well, that's kind of the, the attitude in here. But Jesus said, aware of this, said, why do you bother this woman? For she's done a good deed to me. For you... Always have the poor with you, but you don't always have me, people. I believe Jesus would have said people after that. Hey, you're always going to have the poor, which just so you know, people who are trying to wipe out the poor, just so you know, Jesus himself said you're always going to have the poor. So good luck with that. Um, but you're not always going to have me. And here he was referring to the fact that that he wasn't always going to be there present with them physically right there in their midst. Um and then, then he says in verse 12, For when she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Now that's a weird comment if I ever heard one. I know if somebody came to my house and all of a sudden decided to anoint Bareface with lots of, you know, oil. And, and then Bareface says, hey, you know, she did a good thing for me. She's just preparing me for my burial. I'd be like, what the heck are you talking about? What do you mean she's preparing you for your burial? You're getting ready to die on me? I'd be like, hey. Woman, you need to leave my house. I don't know who you are, but, you know, so that's a very weird comment. But what I can tell you is that, <clears throat> is that Jesus had been telling these guys, hey, guys, guess what? I'm going to die soon. Nailed it. <laughs> and you guys, I'm going to die on a cross for your sins. And don't worry, though, I'm going to raise from, you know, be raised from the dead. And they, whew, what? Did you say something? It went way over their head. They couldn't get it. They were blinded. They couldn't see it. They couldn't understand what the heck he was saying. Again, Jesus here, though, is proclaiming what she did is, is she's, she's preparing me for burial. But this is the part that has always got me in this passage. In verse 13, Jesus says this. He says, truly, I say to you, looking at all those disciples and stuff at, at the leper's house, Wherever this gospel is preached, in the whole world, what this woman did, has done, will also be spoken of in memory of her. So, as we end 2019 and get into 2020, and everybody's like, yeah, it's vision board, 2020 vision, you know, and Barbara Walters jokes are going to be endless next year, we already know that. But as we get into 2020, my question to you is, if God incarnate were to come to you, if Jesus were to come to you and hang out with you and you did one act in his presence, one act of worship like this woman did, what one act would you want to be remembered and spoken of in you wherever the gospel was preached in the whole world? Now, to me, this is one of the most powerful verses in the word of God, because what it tells you is that God sees stuff. First of all, he sees everything, but her worship, which the believers despised. Think about that. 
the religious folk despised it. They didn't want her worshiping Jesus and throwing her money at Jesus. And yet Jesus said, truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, in the whole world, what this woman did will be also spoken in memory of her. This is a powerful thing. And I've thought a lot about this over the years. I've thought about it because, you know, if there is one act that Jesus could point out about me in my whole life, what would it be? You know, and how would I be remembered? We're all thinking about that at the end of the year. We always think about, well, how will I be remembered? You know, when my legacy, you know, what is my legacy? You know, some people don't end well. Some people do end well. You know, we look at people like Billy Graham. Everybody applauds him except various and sundry people who believe all the crap on the internet about him being all this stuff. And he's actually burning in hell, supposedly, you know, <clears throat> but what would, what would the stuff be that Jesus would pick one thing and go, you know what, Stacy Lynn Harp, you sweet and lovable host of Bible news radio. When you're gone, you know, this one act will be remembered because of what you did. You know, whenever the gospel is preached, I want you to think about that because if the gospel is preached and you're a part of it, God can use that forever to impact people's lives. You know, every day people perish, they go to hell. And I mean that literally. And they're forgotten. In fact, the, the Old Testament says these people are dust. They're forgotten. They're, they're, they're wicked or remembered no more. But the righteous have this legacy, Right. And maybe it's because Randall and I have been listening to a lot of old Twyla Paris music. Uh, <laughs> and she has this song called 70 Years Ago, uh, which is a great song. If you haven't heard it, you should go on YouTube and look it up. Um, but it's talking about the legacy that she was blessed with and throughout her life. And, you know, last night I was thinking about it. I was thinking about I used to I used to hate christians who had the christian upbringing i'd be like you guys suck you know all you dumb christians out there who had the christian upbringing you you crap on your legacy and this is how you treat god who gave you that great thing i was just so mad i used to be so mad about that and then and then as i was again thinking about christmas this year because there there was not a huge gift exchange at my house uh just so you know um but this is what I will tell you is as I was thinking about people over presence, I thought about it. I thought about, you know, that whole idea. And it occurred to me that, you know, I want to be remembered as a person who was passionate about Christ and people over possessions because the Bible says it's harder for a rich man to get her to get into the kingdom of heaven. And not that wealth is a bad thing. It's certainly not. God gave, gave wealth to lots of people like super wealthy people, but the priorities that we have, you know, um, we have to think about those, those priorities. And so as I was thinking this year, you know, what the biggest gift I got this year at Christmas was, you're going to be shocked by this, people. Yeah, you will. The biggest gift that I got was you. Every single one of you. I have to say this because it's from my heart. As a child, we long for the tangible things, right? We want the latest whatever it is that's out there. And I don't even know what it is anyway. But what most people want is a friend, a real true lifelong friend. What most people want is they want connection. And you know what? So I didn't have any Christmas presents, you know, under the tree this year. But let me, I will tell you something. You know what I had? I had messages come in all day long from you. Tell me you love me. I'm like, oh my gosh, here's another person. I'll tell you what, that impacts me. You know why? Because at my funeral, nobody's going to be bringing me presents. 
right? You know what, you know what people are going to remember at your funeral is they're going to remember you, who you were, how you impacted their life, uh, the gift of the person of who you were, the legacy of who Christ hopefully was in you. And getting back to my story was it occurred to me that I was not liking, you know, these godly families. I just remembered what I was going to say. <laughs> Just to be honest, it just went, woo, <laughs> came back. Um, and then it occurred to me, I am one of those now. I am a godly family. Me and my husband are godly people. We're, we're actually those annoying people that I, that I was annoyed by many years ago. And that was such a great revelation to me this week because I was like, Lord, you know, it never used to be that people would come up to me and say, you know what? I can tell you've been with God. I mean, I have had that, honestly, like my whole life. But but until recently, it's really come about recently, people locally especially. Like, hey, will you teach me the Bible, you know? I mean, how, has that happened to you lately? <laughs> like, why do you want me to teach you the Bible? I don't know the Bible any better than you do, probably. Um, and it just occurred to me that God was giving me that gift. You guys are my gift. You know, when you show up for a show... Uh, that Randall and I do, that is a gift. When you donate to our show, that is a gift. When you send me a present in the mail, that's a gift. When you even irritate me and you send me things that, that, that you disagree with me on, and in many ways, that's a gift. Sometimes I don't care for those ones as much, but whatever. Um, those of you who I talk to on the phone, I talk to almost all of you. I mean, pretty much anybody who wants to talk to me, I'll talk to you. And the funny thing to me is that when I talk to people, whether it's a widow or a blind person or somebody, you know, who, who, who's, who's, I can't even explain, but whatever, it doesn't matter. You know, the message that you all tell me is almost identical, which just blesses me to no end because it's like, oh, okay, well, there you go. So you matter. Your life matters, what you do in your ministry, wherever you're at matters. Uh, and don't ever think that whatever you give isn't enough because it is. You can always do better. You can always give more. But don't ever minimize the fact that you give it all. And I mean that in any way. Encouragement financially, you know, by teaching somebody you know, by, by hitting like on Facebook, whatever it is, you know, it doesn't matter. You give your very presence. Only you can give what you can give to people around you. So that, that is my, my, my message to you. Think about how you want to be remembered wherever the gospel is preached. What one act? We all know Peter and his denial, but we also know Peter and his great confession as well. We all know Paul and how he advocated the stoning of the believers, but we also know, or Saul, but we also know when his name was changed to Paul and how the Lord used him to write most of the New Testament for us that was inspired by God. Our lives matter. Who you are matters. Your life will change if you immerse yourself in God's word. If you embraced who Jesus is, the word who became flesh, he dwelt among us. That there in first in John 1, it actually means he tabernacled among us, which is an amazing picture to think about, you know, that there he was, you know. And while the world in its insanity is all they're caring about is politics and dumb, stupid things that really have no eternal value, you know, let me encourage you to, yeah, it's okay to look at it. Duh, you're in the world. You got to impact it. But put Christ first. Because you know what? The hope that people are looking for, that's who they're looking for. And the enemy will do anything he can to distract you. And I'm going to tell you, he's he, the, the enemy's totally distracted me a lot this year. Big time, you know, uh, especially over the financial stuff. But you know what God showed me is that, you know, it's not you who provides for me. It's him who provides for me. And he does it in many ways. Today, I have a friend who is not a follower of Christ. She loves our show. She donated to our show. As somebody who doesn't even, you know, who <laughs> she loves me, 
because um, she was touched by my story about Thanksgiving and us not having any food. She wanted to know if we still had, you know, if we needed more money for food. And I said, yeah, actually, we kind of do, just so you know. So, and she gave us money. You know, an unbeliever. And I thought to myself, now, isn't it funny that an unbeliever will bless Christian radio? <laughs> but the Christians won't. Ow. Think about that one, which just goes to show you that God la God can provide through anything. You know, he provided taxes by a couple of coins and a fish. So just saying, that would be awesome if we could get that one. But, you know, anyway. Randall, you have any thoughts before we jump into the news? Because, you know, I could yap on from my heart for the whole show, which, you know, I don't know. We're why. more than halfway through. Why don't we jump to the news and see if we have any time left? <laughs> okay, so this article... Um, so can I get an amen in there? Did any of this impact you before I go on? I, by the way, I see lots of people. Okay, Sean said amen. I think he said it before I asked for you to say amen. But let me, um, um, share one other thing before we get to this article. I was sharing a song with Randall that he had never heard before, surprisingly. It's called I Will Glory in the Cross and, um, and Dottie Rambo, many years ago, wrote this song. I want to read you the lyrics because this is what it's about. Uh, she wrote, I boast not of works or tell of good deeds, for naught have I done to merit his grace. All glory and praise shall rest upon him, so willing to die in my place. Don't forget that, people. And then the chorus is, I will glory in the cross, in the cross, Lest his suffering all be in vain. I will weep no more for the cross that he bore. I will glory in the cross. And then the last verse, which I, which I love, says, My trophies and crowns, my robe stained with sin. T'was all that I had to lay at his feet. Unworthy to eat from the table of life. To love made provision for me. Think about that. I mean, seriously, think about that. Unworthy to eat from the table of life until love made provision for me. God is your provider, and he will provide. Maybe not how you want, but he will. Um, yes. Okay. So, with that said, now, let's look at this article. And I apologize to those of you who were wanting me to read the article earlier. Uh, obviously, you're new to the show because <laughs> I tend to get into these rants right at the beginning of the show. Uh, so I can do that. Okay, anyway, so here's the article. It's over. Uh, nearly 200 evangelical leaders slam Christianity today for, for questioning their, their Christian witness. This was over on the Christian Post website, by the way. And this is actually a response um, to Christianity Today attacking um, Donald Trump recently. And his supporters. And and his supporters. By the way, this, this says here, according to this, it's like an 18 to 22 minute long article. I'm not going to read this whole thing. Um, I'll read the gist of it. If you want to read the whole thing, you can see it over at Christianity or, or the Christian Post, I think, is, is where, yeah, ChristianPost.com. Okay, so it says here, in a letter to Timothy Dal, Dalrymple, somebody, we'll just say Timothy D so I can say it. The president of Christianity Today, nearly 200 evangelical faith leaders condemn both this editorial calling for the removal of President, president Donald Trump from office and its editor-in-chief, Mark Galley, for dismissing evangelicals who oppose his views on the matter of being far right. That's in quotes. By the way, Trump is not far right. When you support homosexuals in your administration, you're not a far rightist, just saying. <laughs> and he does. On Sunday, the faith leader said in the letter, which can be read in full below, that the editorial offensively questioned the spiritual integrity and Christian witness of tens of millions of believers who take seriously their civic and moral obligations. The signatories also decried Galley, who they said offensively dismissed their point of view and comments he made in an interview with CNN Friday, 
where he said that evangelicals who are upset or outraged by his Christianity Today editorial do not read the magazine because they are Christians on the far right, evangelicals on the far right, so they're going to be as dismissive of the magazine as President Trump has shown to be. Um, we are, in fact, not far-right evangelicals as characterized by the author, the letter states. Rather, we are Bible-believing Christians and patriotic Americans who are simply grateful that our president has sought our advice as his administration has advanced policies that protect the unborn, promote religious freedom, reform our cr criminal justice system, contribute to strong working families through paid family leave, protect the freedom of con conscience, prioritize parental rights, and ensure that our foreign policy aligns with our values while making our world safer, including through our support of the state of Israel. It continues, we are not theocrats, and we recognize that our imperfect political system is a reflection of the fallen world with which we live, reliant upon the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is freely given to sinner and saint alike. We are proud to be numbered, among those in history who, like Jesus, have been pretentiously accused of having too much grace for tax collectors and sinners, and we take deeply our personal responsibility to render under Caesar what is Caesar's, our public service. Okay, now just for a second here, I want to share something with you, and I didn't send this to you, but I do want to share this. I want to share with you um, something from Bill Koenig, who is, um, his website is, um, Watch.org, W-A-T-C-H, watch.org. In this week's Koenig's Eye View from the White House, this is what he wrote in his email. I'm just going to read this to you so you get an idea, overview. Um, President Trump is delivering 189 conservative judges appointed to federal courts, solid support from evangelicals, and a strong economy. And it says here, Ezekiel 38 and 39 is in alignment. Of course, you got to understand that whole thing. I don't have time to get into that. Um, Trump is filling the liberal Ninth Circuit Court with conservative judges. By the way, in case you're not aware, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals is the most overturned court in the country. And it's also the most, one of the most liberal. So that's a big deal, by the way. Um... Trump's game-changer commitment in the Ukraine, the Javelin anti-tank missiles that kept Russia at bay, the United States' new super weapon quietly taking out Middle East terror leaders, and in Israel, the IDF preparing for confrontation with Iran. Okay, so Trump is a big, huge supporter of Israel, which that ticks anti-Semites out. They don't like that. It says here, the Israeli cruise missiles that struck Iran's IRGC Air Force HQ in Syria a telling blow for Iran's Mideast plans. Russia, China, Iran, Turkey, Iraq, and Syria on the move. Trump warned Syria and its Russian and Iranian allies against carnage. Okay. And then China, Russia, and Iran holding joint naval drills. Assad plans to sue the U.S. over stealing Syria's oil. Russia strengthening its grip on Syrians' oil. Russia takes over North Syria base abandoned by the U.S., Turkey to keep Russian missiles, defying U.S. sanctions threat. Iraq's President uh, Salih resigns after they, they endorse pro-Iran PM. And then Bill Koenig writes this, Is the sun setting on the church in America? Think about that. Tucker Carlson says, The real reason so many Christians are willing to support Trump and Pope Francis and his Christian message Christmas message says church must adapt the post-Christian West con and connecting the dots. And then, of course, um, the story that we're talking about, 200 evangelical leaders rebuking Christianity today. My point in sharing that is, is that Donald Trump is doing a lot of good stuff. He's doing good stuff for the right, for the country, really, as a whole. But liberals... And Marxists and communists who don't like him, um, you know, they, they can't see it. They're blinded spiritually. They don't understand the benefit of what Trump is doing. If Donald Trump, okay, let me just back up. If President Barack Hussein Obama, it, I mean, I didn't like him at all. But the main thing I didn't like Obama for was the fact that he hated Israel. Okay. And the Jews knew it. Because he's a Muslim, 
Okay, let's just say it that way. Hussein Obama, you know, Barack Hussein Obama, did not love Israel the way that God wants us to honor and respect Israel. Is Israel perfect? No, they're liberal. They got a whole bunch of problems over there. But they're God's chosen people, and that's God's land. And Donald Trump is doing everything he can to make sure he blesses Israel. And that irritates a lot of people in the church who don't understand biblical theology because, frankly, they've never been taught it because they have hirelings in the pulpit instead of a pastor who's a shepherd teaching them the word of God. Right? Am I right? Okay. So... Bill Koenig, go to watch.org. You can learn more. Get, you know, just look there. You, he's the expert on the Middle East. He's a Washington insider as well. Um, and he knows what he's talking about. Donald Trump is trying to bless our country. Donald Trump, Lord willing, hopefully will win the election in 2020 so that we can continue to bless Israel and God will continue to withhold complete judgment on this country. And yes, there is a tie-in. And if you don't believe that, I'm sorry, but it, there is. There is. You just have to understand the, the Bible to understand this. So anyway, Randall, this this elect this um this article is way too long to read, but why don't right. you weigh in on 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 but, this whole issue because Yeah, well we covered the editorial and, and it was an editorial. I mean it's not right. like Christianity today published an article, but you know, it but given the nature of of the editorial it was basically that um mm. I may be overstating it for the sense, for the, you know, for, for brevity, but basically said, you know, Donald J. Trump is a blight on the country right now and so divisive and so he should be removed from office and those people out there calling themselves evangelicals that support them uh, are giving a bad Christian witness because... Trump is, you know, has all these moral flaws, and yeah, we do. I mean, I mean, you could go back in history. Uh, I mean, I mean, the Bushes, Romney, whatever. I mean, when they're uh, you know presidents or presidential candidates, uh, you know, that have been backed by some percentage evangelicals it wasn't because of their perfect moral record that they are the second you know they are the second messiah you know the uh the uh incarnation of perfection mm -hmm. i mean not because they're looking for a, a pastor in chief you know uh as anyone who's lived in the united states for you know during the past hundred years you know, when it comes to a presidential election, it's often choosing the lesser of two evils or, you know, basically choosing the one who supports the most of your values. And that was the case in this past presidential election, I believe, that Trump got uh, support from many evangelicals for the positions that you stated about support for Israel and, and stated in this article about you know pro-life etc i mean it's like trump's our new you know savior or you know he's a pastor in chief and nothing like that it's like hey you know hey he's this is more a pastor than i am right <laughs> it's like hey I'm here's not. someone who who champions a lot of our values and so he's got our support not not that he's ever been hailed as the epitome of christianity or, you know, a moral beacon for society, anything like that. And then for someone to come along and say, oh, he should be removed from office because he's a, you know, polarizing figure. I mean, we could, we could go back to many, many presidents who were polarizing figures in the sense that... They're all polarizing exact, figures. Exactly. And then the, to say that, that if, you know, evangelicals support that president, that they're harming the Christian witness, I'm, I mean, go back in, in the history of the U.S. and find a president, one that was the epitome of Christian virtue. Um, and nobody 
before, to my knowledge, anything about, oh, you know, you're destroying your Christian witness by supporting this president, you know, I mean, politics, come on. <laughs> Washington, D.C., you'll never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. Um, I mean, it is what it is. So, yeah, I, I agree with these <laughs> nearly 200 events. I was going to say something politically incorrect there, but I'll hold back. You know, I, I, I agree, you know, from from Chonda Pierce, <laughs> you know, all the way to Dr. Dobson and, you know, people in between. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of going overboard. And if, if, if it was, if it was the New York times or, you know, the Atlantic, you know, or whatever, or, or the sun or the, you know, whatever LA times, you know, fill in the blank. Yeah. Whatever you expect editorials like that, but Christianity today that was founded, you know, by Billy Graham, right in, in, in. In evangelicalism, to turn around and say, oh, you know, support of Trump is ruining your Christian witness, you hypocritical evangelicals. I don't know. Come well, a long way. My opinion is if you don't not support, in a good direction. If you're, you're not supporting Trump and you're supporting Hillary, let's just say. Yeah, I mean, then that's ruining your Christian witness, you butthead. Because indeed, I mean, I, just saying, Hillary is a murderer. She's not pro-life. She's is... not pro-life. She is a killer. She should be in an orange jumpsuit and behind bars. <laughs> just saying. Uh, and by the way, Trump never. Trump is so great Whoops. that he that Hillary is is behind bars, right? Didn't he? I could have swore he said, yeah. if I was elected president, um, I will put her behind bars yeah. and we'll prosecute her and throw the book at her. Yeah. Yeah. Every promise said by a presidential candidate, they've always right. kept. Yeah. I mean, come on, it's... people. It's like Monica uh, Lewinsky. I, you know, what, what is Hillary's adulterer husband? I did not have sex with that woman. Um, yeah, you did, you scumbag. And lots of other women. And Barack yeah. Hussein, he's like, I did not have sex with that man. Uh, yeah, you did. In Chicago, in the underground, homosexual underground. Yeah, you did. You totally did, you scum, scum of villainy. But whatever. Politics. I don't put a lot of um, stock in it. Who cares, people? The most important thing that we need to focus on, and I know, how dare I bring it back to the gospel, <gasps> but I want to show you. Uh, I, I saw this article from uh, Dr. Jerry Newcomb, who I've known him for a long time. And and I always think Newcomb, like when I, you know, we're going to Newcomb, you know? Oh. <laughs> like he's never heard that before. Anyway, he wrote an article titled The Incredible Impact of Jesus Christ. This is five to seven minutes. We'll get this one. Okay. So check this out. And I actually have this book. So he wrote here. I got to make it big enough so I can read it. My 51-year-old eyes are... Getting to five years ago. So twenty five years ago, D. James Kennedy and I came out with a book called What If Jesus Had Never Been Born? It ended up becoming a bestseller. The message is very simple. Because Jesus was born, look at all these incredible blessings we have throughout the world. For instance, and by the way, you can send this to your atheist complainers who don't like Jesus. They're like, What? The religion he is was... responsible for more deaths and wars and Right. Called and Islam. Backward thinking and and destruction, then... Anyway. For instance, the Christian church created the phenomena of the hospital and has created hospitals all over the world. Christianity has inspired some of the world's greatest music and arts and has expanded education from the elite to the masses, even creating the entity of the university. Here are just a few examples of Christianity's influence fleshed out a bit. Prior to the coming of Christ, human life on this planet was expendable. Even today, in parts of the world where the gospel of Christ or Christianity has not penetrated, life is exceedingly cheap. Christianity bridged the gap between the Jews, who first received the divine revelation that man was made in God's image, and the pagans, who attributed little value to human life. Meanwhile, as we in the post-Christian West continue to abandon our Judeo-Christian heritage, life is becoming cheap once again. Coincidence? Right. In the ancient world... 
Child sacrifice was a common practice. In ancient Rome, babies were often left to die if the father did not want them. Many Christians saved these babies and reared them in the Christian faith and helped turn the tide. Through his church, ultimately Jesus brought an end to infanticide in the Roman world. Christianity also helped to cease gladiatorial contests where slaves would be forced to fight unto death for the entertainment of the crowds, and Christianity got slavery abolished in the ancient world and then again in the modern world. Mm -hmm. Christianity managed to stop the practice of, in India of widow burning. Many times a young girl would be married to an older man. When he died, she would be burned to death on his funeral pyre. Or how, how do you say yes. that? Okay. Until the missionaries agitated put a stop to this. Wherever the gospel has truly what has truly penetrated the value of human life has greatly increased. Here's another example. Christianity and the Bible helped give birth to modern science beginning in the late Middle Ages. The belief that a rational God had created a rational universe inspired so many scientists to engage in scientific exploration, looking to catalog the laws the creator had impressed upon his creation. The early scientists thought of themselves as thinking God's thoughts after him, in the words of astronomer Johannes Kepler. The Royal Society in England was the first key scientific group, which is the oldest scientific association still in operation, and it founded was founded in a Puritan college in the 1660s. I have even filmed an interview at the Royal Society in London on this very thesis, Dr. Jerry Newcomb wrote. Virtually all of the founders of every major branch of science were Bible-believing Christians. We document that in the book with a long list. One of those men, Sir Isaac Newton, was one of the greatest scientists who ever lived, and he was a committed believer who wrote more about the Bible and theology than he did about science. But do we remember him for that, people? No. Here's another example. America as a nation was largely settled and founded by Christians for religious freedom, which they eventually extended to people of other faith. Or no faith. George Washington, the father of our country, said that unless we imitate the divine author of our blessed religion, meaning Jesus, we can never hope to be a happy nation. John Adams noted, We have no government armed with power capable of contending with human passions unbridled by morality and religion. Our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. As we are discovering. Yep. The essence of America is that our rights come from the Creator, and our government was established on that foundation. As JFK put it in his inaugural address, the rights of man come not from the generous hand of the state, but from the hand of God. In short, we are heirs to a great civilization, thanks in large part to Christianity and the Bible. Like, yet like Esau of old, who sold his birthright for a single meal, we seem bent on trading our heritage in for a mess of pottage. What if there were no Jesus? There would be no salvation, no Salvation Army, no Red Cross, no YMCA. Many of the languages set to writing would likely never have been codified since missionaries would have had no motive to do so. Many of the barbarians of the world over would never have been civilized. Cannibalism, human sacrifice, and the abandonment of children would likely st still be widely practiced as they were before Christian influence. To paraphrase C.S. Lewis, if Jesus had never come, it would be always winter, but never Christmas. By the way, I should encourage you to get that book, What If Jesus Had Never Been Born, and get it, because Dr. Jerry Newcomb in my opinion, is one of the best Christian um, historians, researchers out there. Uh, him and Dr. D. James Kennedy, when he was alive, they did great stuff. I mean, every every book that they wrote was awesome together. And and this is just a little teeny weeny bit of what Jesus did. Remember, in the Gospels, Jesus himself said, "Hey," he said, I think it was Jesus who said, "You know, if all the works of Jesus could be written." John. John, yeah, John said, if all the works of Jesus were ever written down in books, even the whole world couldn't contain it. Now, think about that, people, because that, that just like that blows your mind. Um, the very fact that I got something on my tongue. I don't know what it is. A word? Hold on. Oh, okay, there we go. Um <laughs> 
The very fact that when I was just a child, many decades ago, for you, some of it's close to a century, but me, just decades, closer for bareface, but whatever. Anyway, when I was just a child, I went to choir and Gail told me that Jesus loved me, that I could be best friends with Jesus. And I was like, you know, Jesus is awesome. I want to know this Jesus guy. So she smuggles me a Bible she gets from her grandma. And then she gives me this Bible. I start reading it. My life was boom, chained in it, changed in an instant. I went from being abused, blue, attacked, abused, abused to this with no hope to all of a sudden having hope and this joy and this understanding of God's word. I was like, whoa, all of a sudden my whole life flipped like that. That changed me from the inside out. Now, did I have to go through a healing and, you know, as I grew up and got older and uh, did I deal with all that stuff? Yeah. I mean, I was sharing my testimony with somebody locally recently. And I was saying, you know, 26, seven years ago, I was so angry. I mean, we couldn't keep knives in the house because I just, you know, not me and a knife weren't good together. <laughs> and I'm not kidding you. I was very, very angry. I had so much rage. But I look back now, 30, almost 30 years later, and I'm like, whoa, that woman, that girl that was angry, who had been abused, had been picked up. Jesus took me, started cleaning me off, making me who I am, <laughs> doing a little scruffing here and there, you know, decided to paint my hair a little lighter over the years. <laughs> All of a sudden, there's this joy, and I'm a woman of God. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm one of those. <laughs> How did that happen? But it happens, right? And that's how you change the world. One heart at a time. Jesus comes in, says, hey, honey, you're all dirty. I'm going to clean you up. Wait, that's okay. You don't have to clean yourself up. Don't worry. I'll take care of it for you. Pours his blood on you, cleanses you, and then just starts whop, making you all clean. It's kind of like the equivalent of if you go to YouTube and you see these videos of these homeless people that have had long beards and long hair and and barbers decide to come in and do a good deed and shave them and give them a new look, right? That's how we are. It's like we just can't see it spiritually. We can't see our eternal being, who that is. We, but God does. And that's what he died for, you and me. That's what it's about, people. We got to share that good news with people. Get them, like, focused off the crap and put them focused on the word of God so that they could see just like that woman who is worshiping Jesus and put like a year's worth of oil on him. And he was like, boom, that woman, whenever the gospel is going to be preached, that action is going to be remembered. And you, Judas Butthead, well, we know where you're going. <laughs> Just so you know. Right? Right? So are you encouraged? Yeah? I hope so. Because, uh, yeah, because hopefully that was encouraging. Okay, so tomorrow, tomorrow night, Saturday, I'm going to ask you for your all your prayers today, okay? Um, so tomorrow night, we're going to be back here, Lord willing, at 8 o'clock. But we are going to be at a seminar literally all day from 9 to 5. Probably won't get home till after 6, probably even later than that. We are going to try to be on time, just so you know. <laughs> um, Because uh, we're going to have to pick up our animals too and all that. So that may take some extra time. So I want to ask you to pray for us tomorrow. Pray for me in particular. Well, pray for both of us because both of us have kind of had some intestinal stuff happening lately. So just pray that the Lord would touch our bodies, that they would be perfectly fine. Nothing horrible would be, you know, that we wouldn't feel sick because I, I didn't even play pickleball today, you guys. Cause, and this was like the only day all week I could play and I didn't play because I wasn't feeling good this morning. Um, so yeah, not that you care about pickleball, but hey. Just saying, I do. Um, so please pray for us. Tomorrow night we'll be back, Lord willing. Um, it's going to be a long day tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going to some Legal Shield training to get business to business certified. Got to do that so that we can offer the great service to uh, everybody. By the way, one last thing about that. Um, if you have been thinking about getting Legal Shield, let me just remind you if you do it this year, you got four days, five days left, right, to the end of the year. If you do it this year, you will be covered for IRS audit assistance if you do it this year. 
If you're already a member, you're already covered, just so you know. But if you decide to wait till January and the event you get audited for this year's taxes, you're not going to be covered with that service, just so you know. Uh, so if you get it this year, though, and you're audited, which I hope you're not audited, but if you do get audited, then, then the IRS audit assistance that comes with our package, it will cover you for the taxes you're going to file next year. Okay. So get in touch with me if that's something you want to do this year for sure. Um, because I don't want you signing up next year and then all of a sudden you're getting audited and you're getting mad at me because I didn't tell you, I'm telling you, you got to do it this year. Um, 25 bucks a month. That's it. That will cover you. Um, I, uh, identity theft protection, 29.95 a month for three bureau family plan, $15 for three bureau individual plan. Um, that's it. That covers you, protects you. I actually had, you're going to love this. My aunt actually told me in an email a couple of days ago that she bought identity theft protection from somebody else. <laughs> I'm like, really? Seriously? So look, people, if you're thinking about getting it, like contact me before you buy somebody else's, okay? Just, just you know, because I want to help you out. Okay. All right. So that's it. I uh, hope you have a good night. Uh, thanks for tuning in. And as I always say, be bold. Be bold about the right stuff, though. Stand up and go with God because he loves you people. Yeah, he does.